Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. My name is Matt, and I am here with Pastor Jamal. Yo. Pastor Todd. Good morning. And Pastor Bonnie. Hello. And I got to say, it feels good to have uh, all you guys here. Last week on the podcast, it was a special episode for Mother's Day, but I'm not going to lie, um, you know, it was a little bit strange for me not being a parent or a woman. So <laughs> I'm just glad it's, it was a great, it was a good episode though, but I'm glad that it's uh, us again, you know, usual crew. So yeah. I feel a little more comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I know Steph was nervous about doing this. So, I mean, she was like taking notes and notes and notes and notes and notes to, to figure out what she was going to say. I'm like, it's okay. It's not, <laughs> right. just, just talk. <laughs> right. We're just sitting talking. Yeah, they were all in their element. I mean, they're talking about what they know, so it was easy. They they all did an awesome job. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I found that at the end, they um, everyone was prepared for like some theological discussion, and I was like, oh, I, I didn't know. Like, I I think we're only at the end. We really kind of started talking that way, but it was fun. It was it was cool. Mm-hmm. It's a cool episode. I got some insights into momhood and parenthood as well. For sure. <laughs> Uh, just before this, we were actually, before we hit record, we were talking about um, C.S. Lewis. We were talking about Chronicles of Narnia. And Pastor Todd, you just brought up, I've never heard this, that um, C.S. Lewis wrote like a science fiction series. Yeah, he wrote a, a science fiction trilogy called the, I think he called it the Space Trilogy. Um and there's three books in it. They're not as popular as, as Narnia is, but I... I Fantasy is okay, but I like sci-fi a whole lot more. But I haven't had a chance to read them yet. I had started out a while ago thinking well, I'm going to read all these, and then I got sidetracked. Uh, so you guys talking about it again, I'm going to have to look them up and find them and see if I can read them because uh, C.S. Lewis is great, and I think his sci-fi ones have that same idea of just like God woven in and through them, mm-hmm. you know? So Yeah, I feel like he does a good job of the imagery is very clear but it's also like very very tasteful too it's not like i guess smack in your face like it's obnoxious although right it depends on who you are but that's so funny because like all the c.s lewis books that i read when they're like other works by c.s lewis i mean i've never seen that so that's pretty interesting i gotta check that out yeah um the three of them are out of the silent planet uh paralandra and the hideous strength which sound like his titles because he always has interesting titles like the hideous strength mm. the problem with pain <laughs> mm. the great divorce you know he always has those uh get you titles yeah yeah that's right yeah. so um how'd you guys feel um driving service yesterday like feel like it uh went pretty well and stuff but i don't know what you guys you guys had thoughts on that share yeah, I thought it went pretty well. I was a little flustered that the wind kept blowing my pages, and when I would turn them back, and then there's raindrops on it, so my ink was running everywhere. I'm like, stop it! <laughs> but no, I thought it went really, really well. I thought it went well. I, I seriously, um, I seriously, like, legitimately thought when I was picking out the songs, like, the first one that came to my mind was Open Up the Heavens, because it starts out, we've waited for this day. Right. And so I'm like, oh, that's such a perfect lyric to just like open up like the service that we've just been waiting for so long to get back together like this. Right. But then but then as I was also thinking about the song, I'm like, 
I'm thinking about the weather that, you know, like there was a slight chance of rain and all that. I'm like, oh, but I don't know if we should open up with this song. Like just joking around in my mind to myself, like, you know, open up the heavens, like, and I'm gonna sing it and it rains. And like, that's God's sense of humor. I really feel like, like, as soon as we started singing that song, it started to drizzle. I'm like, all right, Lord, like <laughs> you're too funny. Yeah. But. I mean, thank God it wasn't, you know, um, like a downpour, like it didn't all of a sudden downpour, but that's like the risk you run with doing stuff like that is like all of a sudden it could just boom, you know, change at any second. Um, thank God it didn't, it was fine. It was manageable, but, uh, I was just like, I had to stop myself from laughing while I was singing because it was just kind of comical. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Joe was like, there's a four to 10% chance. It's not going to stick. It's not going to stick. And then I told, uh, I told John Maneri, I was like, yeah, Joe says it's a four to 10% chance. He's like, I don't know where he gets those numbers. Cause it's always like the lowest. It's always says 5%. I'm like, he says four. So yeah, I don't know. It's Uh, crazy. It was good. So yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the sermon. Um, I thought the sermon uh, was great by Pastor Jeff yesterday. And um, so it's, he's calling it Preparing for Pentecost. And it's kind of like a mini series for the next two weeks as we're getting ready, uh, getting closer to Pentecost. So um, the yesterday's message was mostly in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. So kind of the first half. And then I think... I think next week he's going to be exploring kind of the other part of chapter one because Pentecost then happens in chapter two. So I want to start with this. Um, what is Pentecost? What is it? Why is it important? And also what was it originally? You know, sometimes maybe if you're in church, you hear it Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday, but you know, what is it? Why is it important? What was it originally? Uh, originally it was the Feast of Weeks, uh, which was a Jewish celebration. Um, <clears throat> I don't know a lot about the Feast of Weeks, but I just know that it wasn't uh, it wasn't Christians who came up with the idea of of calling it Pentecost. It was already I think Pentecost uh, stands for fifty or fifty two, something like that, or whatever. So um, it it happened to the way we celebrate Pentecost with the first baptism in the Holy Spirit and the coming of the Holy Spirit when the disciples coordinated with that day, which is where we get the idea of using the word Pentecost. Yeah. um, And actually that's part of, I guess, kind of like God's timing as you read the book of Acts, that it worked out that way, that, um, so many people had come to Jerusalem for this festival. So um, when the Holy Spirit is poured out and the birth of the church happens, it's supernatural timing even that all these Jewish people who knew the scriptures were there for this event after Jesus had risen from the dead um, in that way. So Pastor Jamal, did you have any thoughts or are you looking at something else right now? Sorry, my internet's like cutting in and out. So I, it's like the connection is really bad. I'm trying to figure something out. So. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Sorry. I, I didn't know if you were shaking your head. You had something to add. So he was shaking his head. He's like, Pastor Todd, you're completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I just want to be like, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, wait, I think I had one more, one more thoughts on that. Um, but how about this? So kind of as a part two to that question as well. So what's, why is it significant for us today? Even talking about preparing for Pentecost. I mean, why is that important to prepare or to celebrate it? You know, we didn't, we already celebrate Easter. Isn't that over? Like we're good. You know, why is it important for us today? Yeah, I, I don't know how theologically sound this is, but in my brain, I kind of break down um, Old Testament, New Testament, and modern day kind of in this idea of in each of those things, God like revealed himself and different revealed three of his persons differently in each of those things. You have the Old Testament where God himself usually spoke to people and in the New Testament, you have Jesus who walked among us. And then when Jesus returned to heaven, he left, sent the Holy Spirit to his disciples so that um, as he returned to heaven, we still had God's presence living with us. So the day of Pentecost is the day when the Holy Spirit came. He filled the disciples, not just for, it happened kind of like temporarily uh, before this, when he had sent them out, he breathed the Holy Spirit on. But this was like that moment where it was the full giving of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it was actually available to all believers, not just a select few uh, that was given it for a purpose, but it was given to all believers. And so it's a chance for us to celebrate like this other, um, I don't want to say call it an, another experience of God. I don't want to make it sound like weird. Uh, I just mean it's a chance for us to celebrate like understanding God more because of the giving of the Holy Spirit. Um, and everything that went along with that, the, the tongues of fire on your head, the, the, the rushing of the wind, the speaking in other languages. Uh, and it's also like Pentecostals, we believe it's a moment where God gave power for us to be greater witnesses in the world to, um, to, to, to make God's kingdom bigger. You know? mm-hmm. uh, a couple of thoughts I have from what you're saying, okay. Pastor Todd. Um, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, I think I think in theological terms, or it depends on how deep I guess you want to go. But like dispensationalism is the idea of like, right, almost like those phases of, um, you know, how God has chosen to work in history. But either way, right, what we see in the biblical story is that after Jesus had um, taken, uh, had paid the price for our sins on the cross, now the Holy Spirit is poured out on us. Uh, and like you said, it's a tool. I had a, I had a friend one time talking because he was like, "Oh, Matt, you're, you're Pentecostal. So what? You just you believe that? What? I forgot how he worded it, but it was so he was antagonistic. But he's like, you think everyone should speak in tongues, and if if not, um, like isn't that God? That's God's ideal for everyone. And if they can't, they're they're like not they're not as good or something. Like, wouldn't you in your perfect world shouldn't everyone just do that? And I'm like, okay, well you're being a little like <laughs> my face, but I'm like, yeah. yeah. I believe like it's, it's like a tool in your tool belt. Like you said, Pastor Todd, just a thought from what you said, like God has given us the Holy spirit in a special way we can experience him. And it's not that you're better. It's an, it's another tool when it comes to witnessing or to sharing God or experiencing him. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, that's the thing about Pentecost. And we had talked about this the one Sunday night when we had this to remember that Pentecost is not about being better than other people who haven't experienced it. It's, it's about our relationship with God, and it's not even a sign of being more spiritual, less spiritual, because there's some very godly, godly people who haven't experienced baptism in the Holy Spirit, and then there's some 
like newborn baby Christians who have experienced baptism in the Holy Spirit. So it's not a, it's not a mark of spirituality and maturity. It, it, it's just something that God has um, perfect timing. And, um, and we don't always understand his timing, you know, and why some receive the baptism and others don't, um, <clears throat> you know, it's not an issue of faith. It's not an issue of sin. It's an issue of God does what God does. Cause he knows what's best, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Pastor Bonnie. No, I was just going to say that um, I read some, some one time, and I, I wish I could like remember exactly how it was worded, but the significance of the tongues of fire and how that relates to um, the Old Testament, uh, where, the, where God was leading the Israelites you know, through the wilderness with the pillar of fire. Um, and there was a correlation there, but I'm... I, but I'm right. Am I right in saying um, Pentecost is uh, the 50 days after Passover originally, and now it's now we as Christians we look at it as 50 days after Easter because Easter and Passover coincide. Um, I'm not always good with like facts, like memorizing facts of like all of this stuff, like all the all of the festivals and everything. I like I get them all confused in my mind. But um, but the the correlation of the fire was like, you know how God revealed himself and, you know, in that pillar of fire to guide them through that wilderness. And like, so now, you know, in the, on the new day of Pentecost, you know, when they were all in the upper room and the significance of the tongues of fire over their head was like, God was giving them, you know, a new way to guide them through, you know, the darkness or guide them through, guide the Christians, you know, through the wilderness um, of this, you know, new faith and the new covenant life. Um, and it was some, it said something about, I forget who wrote it now and I forget, uh, I wish I could remember, but it was, it was something about like how it was like, it was kind of like a, like a full circle kind of a thing where it like, you know, God revealed himself first in the pillar of fire and now he's coming back and, and, and culminating that with the same thing and it would all tie together, but Yeah. Anyway, I wish I could remember more, but I have to look it up now. I want to I want to find out where I read it from because it was so good and I can't remember. Well, that's good actually. Maybe uh, it's worth it, Lino. We can uh, come back to some of this discussion because you know Pentecost Sunday will be in a couple of weeks, so yeah. maybe we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it in that sense. Yeah. I, so I don't know what happened in between because I cut out and I cut back in, so I don't know what <laughs> you guys. Welcome back, are, Pastor Jamal. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you guys all shared. Um, but uh, I do have a thought in regards to Pentecost, maybe some of its uh, origin, and then also uh, some of its purpose in terms of us as believers and the way, the way we, it probably should be celebrated today. Um, I know that I think uh, Pastor Todd already broke it down about the, um, the Feast of Weeks, and then Pastor Bonnie also shared about it being uh, 50 weeks past um, uh, Easter as we celebrate as Christians. Um, well, we also, I don't know if anyone mentioned this, so I apologize if this is redundant, but uh, the Feast of Weeks is also known as, right, the Harvest Festival. So um, what I have always understood, or excuse me, one of the things that I learned about Pentecost that I always appreciated about it, uh, the way that it was taught to me, is that we can look at it very much so in the sense that Jesus, that God is beginning the harvest of uh, the world, uh, the harvest mm-hmm. of the souls of human beings. Um, when we know that God revealed himself first through the Hebrew people, 
Pentecost is a way of celebrating the fact that now everything is coming full circle and it's not exclusive to uh, the Jewish people, but it is now open to now the Gentile people as well. Uh, when we look at scripture, uh, a lot of things uh, point to Jesus or to, to God, making sure that we understand that, hey, listen, out of the roots of this um, Hebrew tradition is a lot of this stuff, but it will expand and grow into uh, an inclusiveness of the entire world. Uh, one of the pictures we see of that is Jesus at the temple at Jerusalem, you know, when uh, the money changers are, you know, uh, being all dirty and whatnot and charging people extra just so they could come near uh, to uh, uh, to be in the presence of God, we see Jesus decide, you know what, it's time to flip the tables up in here. Uh, and part of the reason for, for him doing that is because um, they were keeping people from coming to God, people who were uh, both Jewish and people who were, uh, you know, kind of adopting the faith of the Jewish people from different cultures. And so what you were seeing was him saying, yo, this is not the way this is supposed to be. It's supposed to be an inclusiveness of all people, but we hadn't reached that point yet. And then you uh, have Pentecost where all of a sudden you see all of these different languages uh, being uh, spoken in this moment. And it's almost like God in himself is revealing to the world. This has been the plan since the beginning to include the entire world. Um, this is not a coincidence. This is not uh, a mistake. Uh, and I think a lot of people, sometimes they make tongues the focus of it, but I would like to think mm -hmm. that uh, Pentecost is more the focus on um, the entire world coming to know and hear the message of the gospel. So um, that that's just my two cents. Uh, one of the ways that I like to kind of think about it. Absolutely. And um, right. That's what Peter says and how it's a fulfillment of prophecy. It's, it's cool. It is the fulfillment of uh, what's going on in the Bible, right? Like, like how you, you said it so well, Pastor Jamal. And I think even from what you're saying and what you said, Pastor Bonnie, too, with like the fire, even the imagery, mm -hmm. the biblical imagery going on, mm -hmm. um, it's so purposeful. So again, if you're like me, I grew up in church, you know, sometimes again, you know the story. Oh yeah, tongues of fire. Oh yeah, uh, the Holy Spirit poured out, whatever. Um, but it's so purposeful and and what's mm -hmm. going on. So, you know, I, th I think we'll talk more about it um, over the next two weeks. So let's let's go to kind of some of the points in Pastor Jeff's message because um, it's just a little more specific about what he talked about yesterday. Yeah. So he talked about in chapter one, kind of setting the picture for the whole book of Acts and how Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is kind of showing us that Jesus wants us to see the importance of his work, his words, and his witnesses. And he talked about how Jesus... Um, uh, verse one of Acts has had, he talked about the work that Jesus began to do. So it's continuous, it's still happening and it's massive and we're included in that. And then he talked about how um, Jesus showed them convincing proofs. So he kind of touched on it. I, I guess we don't need to spend more time on it if there's nothing else much to say, but what were some of those? Uh, I'm just, I just like to ask questions that I have. So the convincing proofs that Jesus showed them you know, Pastor Jeff definitely did bring some up. I don't know if you had other thoughts, like what were specific to the disciples, Jesus being risen from the dead? What were some of the proofs that they experienced? Whoa, this is Jesus. He's back in the flesh. Just, he's not a ghost. He's not, you know, whatever. Didn't know if you have other thoughts. Pastor Jeff brought up a few, so maybe there's not a lot to add. Uh, one of the convincing proofs that I always find interesting, I, maybe it's not, maybe it's not as convincing, but I always enjoy watching the story of Andrew unfold throughout the throughout the Gospels because he's one of the disciples who believed Jesus was the one from the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
he's like the one he scripture tells us that he was first an apostle of John the Baptist. He followed John the Baptist um, in his teachings. And then John the Baptist one day says, look, behold, you know, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Like, if there's a guy that you need to follow, he's the guy, right? And uh, scripture tells us that Andrew goes back to his brother, Peter, says, dude, we found the Christ. We found the Messiah. So um, I always enjoy seeing his story because he's somebody who bought in early from the very beginning. He doesn't get a lot of recognition throughout the scriptures, um, but he's kind of like your solid dude that like was like, nah, I believe this and I'm, I'm rocking with this. He's the one who brings the boy with the five loaves and two fish to Jesus. When mm. Jesus is like, when they're sitting there and all the people want to be fed, the disciples are like, what are we going to do? Jesus is like, you feed them. And then Andrew's like, well, here's this kid, you know, um, he just has all these awesome moments. Like even at Pentecost, so we're talking about Pentecost, you know, he's there he's watching all of this unfold and it's like he has this moment it's like all right well peter it's it's you like it's like you know he turns to his brother like dude you, you gotta address the crowd like he almost like knew like it was weird it's weird like watching his story unfold being convinced in the work of jesus from the beginning uh i guess by auditory means of john the baptist but um talk about somebody who had early buy-in it's all about being that guy exclusively right in the beginning it's like i knew this band was going to be great you know no, like um that's kind of how i see andrew i love watching his story <laughs> i listened to a sermon on him once uh and the guy he called him he's the let's go to applebee's guy he he was like the people gatherer like you said he got his brother peter and was like dude i think we found the messiah and like you said with the um bringing the boy with the lunch to jesus like he was the like yo let, let's just let's go to applebee's guy he just knew how to gather people well mm -hmm. so i just i think of that as well mm -hmm. that's cool one of my favorite things where Jesus kind of showed that he was, you know, after his resurrection um, to Peter was how he did the, <clears throat> the fish on the other side of the boat thing with Peter and, uh, you know, cast your nets on the other side. And what I love about that story is it kind of brings Peter's whole thing full circle where uh, Jesus's first interaction with Peter was over the fish. And then again, here, He's doing another miracle with the fish to show, hey, Peter, it's me, it's Jesus. And uh, I, I know it's a little bit different what we're talking about, but it's still that same idea. Like, like he was familiar to the disciples and, and he did things that clicked in their brain and they knew that it was him. They knew he was at work because in between there, he did all these other cool miracles, just revealing his, his godness, revealing his power, revealing his, even his compassion was revealed throughout his miracles, proving that he was God. And, and what I also love about that story is how Peter reacted to it, you know, after, okay, here's Jesus showing himself again to, to be Jesus, to be the Messiah, to be the God's son, you know, revealing his identity um, to Peter. And Peter realizes, oh, wait, this is Jesus and how he just jumps in. He didn't care. He just jumped in, jumps in the water, swims to shore because he's like, I got to get to him. I got to get to him. And I, and I think that's one of the things how Jesus reveals himself constantly is when you have an encounter with him and it's a, a genuine encounter with him, there's something in our heart that says, I got to I got to get closer. I got to get him know, you know, to know him more. I got to, I got to touch his hem. I got to draw close to him. And, um, you know, I think this is one of the, 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 the convincing proofs again and again, how Jesus, um, is 
really does work in our hearts, how he's real, you know, how it's more than just a, a story of a historical figure. It's because when you encounter him, even today, it changes and transforms our heart. Yeah, I yeah. was just thinking. Oh, go, oh, oh, go ahead. Nope, I already said something. Um, no, I was just thinking about how the proofs he, you know, gives and um, how he gave, he showed the, you know, how we were in the sermon he was saying to show the importance of his work and his words and how Jesus used both actions and words to prove himself. Like, like in some miracles that he performed, he actually physically did things. Um, you know, whether it be, you know, a touch or, um, you know, the mud in the eyes or, um, you know, telling the other person to physically go do something. But, um, and then sometimes he just sent his word, you know, and sometimes the, his word just went forth and, um, and, you know, like with the, um, Jairus's daughter, right. Where he said like, your daughter is healed and, and then she was healed. Um. And so, like, so those, I mean, just, just to show, like, the power of, like, both his work and his words, like, like, he's got power in it all. Like, he can, he can send forth, you know, action or word, and it, and it proved that of his, you know, be proof of his deity, um, just in that. I do love that story at the end of the book of John that you were talking about, Pastor Todd, and, uh, years ago I did like a youth group lesson called get breakfast with Jesus or something. I think it, that's what I called it. But that was significant to me as well. Like that um, Jesus is back from the dead and they, they eat the fish that they caught and they all knew it was him. And I thought like, I actually think of that every Easter now, like the Monday after Easter is like, Oh, okay, great. Now what? Like how about you get breakfast with Jesus? Like he mm. had that moment with them. Uh, which Pastor Jeff did talk about that that was one of those proofs that he ate with them. He was there mm -hmm. with them as well. And what you're saying too, Pastor Bonnie. So uh wanted to kind of go this I way just, then. Oh, go me, ahead, Pastor Jamal. Just, Sorry. So I think um I think it would be remit we would be remiss if we didn't also mention like the work of the cross, right? Like right. ultimately to like the work of the cross is I mean, that's bread, butter, you know, and everything in between. Um in regard to proofs you know like that he was like you know what I, I i walked this path for the sake of humanity all the way up into you know um uh dying on the cross um uh just like even you know i'm just thinking of uh what paul says in philippians you know your attitude should be the same as christ jesus um who considered himself to be you know nothing he was a servant and was obedient even to death on the cross i believe you know i just think that that is when we talk about convincing proof um him going to the cross is probably high on the list well and, and the scars that he bore from it you know that he didn't only die for us but that he was back from the dead and that served as proof that's what he says to uh thomas again thomas always gets a bad rap but i feel for the guy like he he puts his fingers in the scars and then jesus is blessed are those who believe who haven't seen the scars you know mm -hmm. So, uh, but uh, thank you. Yeah. For saying that it's actually super important. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so here's what I wanted to say this. I've been thinking about this. What are those convincing proofs for us today? I mean, how about just going off that thought, you know, we don't have, um, Jesus physically here to see the scars to say, I know it. So what are the ways that today uh, 
for those of us who are Christian that we know, wow, you know, um, Jesus is back from the dead. He has moved in my life. What would your guys' thoughts be on that? I think that's, I think that's where the importance of his witnesses come in. Um, I think that's the, the, the whole point of Pentecost is, you know, the empowerment of his witnesses to be witnesses um, in, in, in his power and not in our own power. Um, for me, one of the biggest proofs of his um, resurrection life is just being in his, in his presence you know, one-on-one and experiencing that for myself, that's been the biggest proof. Um, And then the second biggest proof, besides personally experiencing his presence one-on-one, is being around others who you know dwell in the presence of God deeply. Um, And I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about. Like when you when you meet another person who you just know that they're on a deeper level with God in the way that they interact with you. Um, and, and I mean, really that's how, that's what we should all um, aspire for is to, is to carry that presence with us so that, you know, when other people we meet come you know, meet us or, or talk to us that they sense, you know, God's presence, they sense something different, but that's always been the two biggest proofs for me is, you know, my own experience in his presence and then being, meeting somebody else or being, you know, with somebody else who has experienced God's presence in a deep way. I think another way that sometimes we see the the evidence of God is when people's lives change, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not typical human behavior for people to make huge changes in their lives. You know, it does happen here and there. And and some of that I would even consider is, is some of those general graces of, of Jesus. But I think when you, when someone comes to, to God and you see a change not just in behavior, but even sometimes you can even see the change on their face and their and the the way that they think and the things that um, I don't know that bring them joy and that you know and that break their heart. Like those changes are aren't natural human changes. Like we tend to be more the same all the time than what we are to change. And so I think when you see someone's life who's really like there's a big change that's happened, like. I mean, that's evidence, that's huge evidence that God is real. And then I think sometimes you have miracles that take place. Um, You hear about people who have genuine miracles. Um, You know, it's one of the funny things with kids is when they cut their fingers, they pray that Jesus would heal their boo-boos or whatever. But I'm, I'm talking about more than just what our bodies can do when God like miraculously intervenes. Those are some huge things that's hard to just easily dismiss. Mm -hmm some great thoughts and um i think of just from going off that pastor todd like i love hearing stories for example of like teen challenge you know guys whose lives are totally turned around in that way this one guy i went to school with uh valley forge and actually uh he and his wife his wife i went she was in youth group with me too so that's kind of cool but 
every year he posts a picture of him the day he arrived at teen challenge. And then like, he's a pastor now they, they planted a church um, at West. And so it, it is cool. Just going off that. Like I, I love seeing that story and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that um, when we're talking about uh, proofs, like con- some of our convincing proofs and maybe, I don't know if when you put that in a note, Matt and, Matt, when you, Pastor Matt, when you put that in the notes, I didn't know if that was like a personal or if that was like a general, but like when I think of um, myself personally, like a personal convincing proof uh, for me is that um, um, what, you know, what Jesus offers, I think when you talk about religions and we talk about identity and we talk about the things that people can make their own personal gods. Jesus is the only God um, that I feel like offers you forgiveness, right? When you don't meet the standard. And I think that that for me, that forgiveness, um, that convincing proof was like major for me. It's like, oh wait, really? I'm like really forgiven, like given a clean slate, given this opportunity to, um, to walk in according, um, to, to, get, to get it right, even though I've jacked it up so many uh, times before. And so um, when you when you put that in there, I don't know if it was personal. So personal, I would say forgiveness. Um, if we're talking collectively as a whole, then I would just I would just echo uh, what um, Pastor Bonnie and Pastor Todd have all both said. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I, I had it kind of either way. I think of um, I put in there because I just always think of this Ephesians chapter one that um, we've been sealed and him through the Holy spirit, we've received the Holy spirit as a deposit of our inheritance. And so experiencing God through the Holy spirit is, is a convincing proof for us. Like you said, I'm maybe on a personal level, pastor Jamal. Also, I personally, and we've been talking, we, we were talking about this in young adults last week and I'm kind of thinking about this a little bit. I, I personally love apologetics, which is um, the defense of the faith. So a lot of times, you know, we, we, um, I think it's important to talk about those things sometimes, um, you know, the evidence for Jesus's resurrection, you know, um, arguments for God's existence, those types of things. And those can be um, bolsters to our faith as well. They can strengthen us. Or if you're somebody who doesn't believe in God or you're wrestling with that concept, is, could, is God really real? Or I want to believe, I don't know. Sometimes apologetics can take, can take those walls down and allow now, the Holy Spirit to move in your life. Now you can experience God's forgiveness because on an intellectual level, you can at least say, you, you know, can take um, the evidence for Jesus and his resurrection can take that down. And now God can work personally in your life and in your heart. So I think those are all really great thoughts. Um, so I wanted to ask this actually, even going off uh, from pastor Jeff sermon, Jesus wants us to see the importance of his work. Jesus wants us to see the importance of his words and um, kind of from what has been said here, you know, I'll just say it this way. So Pastor Jeff said that um, Jesus had authority. That's what we see in the scriptures. He taught not just like some religious teacher, but as one with authority. So I want to ask, is it possible to um, view Jesus simply as a moral teacher? He's got a lot of good things to say. Um, yeah, hey, you can be forgiven no matter who you are. It's a great message. Um, yeah. yeah. And, no. and that, just kind of leave it there? Is that... People... You know. um, Judas did. 
I mean, like, you know, he was, I, um, I forget when it was, maybe a few weeks ago, we were having a conversation with the students, um, and I mentioned in our Zoom youth group, I was like, guys, you know, um, Judas is the guy who spent a ton of time with Jesus, heard his words, saw his miracles at work, and remained unaffected. Like, it is very possible to spend your time near God, around God, um, near the word of God, around the word of God, and remain unaffected and just see mm. these things as being, um, you know, just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. But, you know, um, it's the transition between um, him being a good teacher and being your Lord and Savior um, that allows for the words of God and, and uh, the work of God to affect you on a personal level. Um, I think when I was speaking to the students, we're coming from uh, the passage of scripture where Jesus is saying, hey, one of you guys is going to betray me. And uh, the, lang the words that are used in that passage, uh, all of the disciples say, Lord, is it me? Except for Judas. Judas actually says, Rabbi, is it me? Which is almost a little bit like he's mm. telling, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. he hadn't made that step. He hadn't come to that point of saying, Lord, you know, master, you know, I give you everything. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, I just think that we got to be careful, even as believers, um, just that we could see uh, the words of Jesus and the work of Jesus. Um, but we could also remain unaffected if we're not careful. Mm -hmm. I think, too, like in the Islam faith, I mean, don't they believe that Jesus was a prophet? He was a great teacher, but they don't believe that he was the son of God. Um, so I think it is absolutely possible to view that. But I think in order to do that, um, you have to kind of overlook some of the stuff that he did, his work that he did, you know, that we just talked about. Like you have to accept that he taught well, but then dismiss the miracles he did, you know? So there's, um, there's some of those things that have to go on, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I absolutely think that people all the time just, yeah, Jesus was a good teacher and that's as far as it goes, you know, but, but then, but then I think I wonder in those moments, like, are you just accepting things that you've heard or are you searching the scriptures for yourself to find out who he was? Yeah, I mean, really, it comes down to head knowledge versus heart knowledge, you know, like, I mean, there's, you know, so many religions out there, so many different faiths out there that proclaim, you know, yes, Jesus was a prophet or Jesus was a good teacher or whatever, but um and they recognize him as as an authority figure in that way um but i mean look at scripture look at look at the ones who jesus told like you know that your faith has saved you um it, you know or, or or you know you it's because you believe in me um you know those were the ones who really reached out with their heart and put their with their whole faith and put their whole belief in who he was truly as the son of God, um, either because of what they saw him do or because, you know, of what they did, for, what he did for them. Um, and it's the same with us. I mean, you can, you can study the Bible. You can know the Bible backwards, forwards, and upside down. You can know about Jesus' life. You can know about his person. You can know about what he did and about his character. But until you allow the living Christ to change your life, and let it become heart knowledge, like Pastor Jamal was saying, you know, like know the, the saving power of God. Um, 
it's it's it, then you're just going to acknowledge him as as a, a good a good teacher and a good guide until he until he changes you um and until you know the power of his salvation and then then it becomes wholly different and just a just a like go backwards really quick maybe throw a monkey wrench and now maybe it's not a monkey wrench but um you know judas does come to a point where we're talking about uh, Jesus wants us to see the importance of the of his work, and uh, we're talking about convincing proofs. There is a moment where Judas almost, well, not almost, he has, he's experiencing some sort of convincing proof because he goes back to those guys and he says, I've betrayed innocent blood. Like, he's like, I don't want this money anymore. So even Judas has a convincing proof. Unfortunately, it doesn't know, it doesn't, uh, it don't, it don't go well. So, but you know, the rest of the story for him don't go well, but it's interesting to think about that. He himself had some sort of convincing proof. He just realized it uh, pretty late in the game. Um, at least for his story's sake. When I think about your, what you were just saying too, Pastor Jamal, about how you can be around God and be um, unaffected. And I feel like maybe that's it. So Judas, like you said, had those convincing proofs, um, but still his response to it is what makes his story different. And actually we, I feel like I really enjoyed the podcast we did right before Easter. It was like the second week, the second one on Easter week, we kind of spent some time talking about Judas. I thought it was really interesting. Um, I wanted to say this, we brought up C.S. Lewis earlier and I think of this, C.S. Lewis has kind of a response to Jesus being, Oh, just a good teacher that you actually can't do that. You know, central to his good teachings are his claims to divinity like mm. um you can't you can't live up to god's ways without his help like it, like he's the one mm. who helps you do it so he's not just um offering some good ideas you, he would have to be uh, so c.s lewis has an argument it's called liar lunatic or lord so mm. he would either have to be a liar he just wants to pretend he's God and wants wanted a big following or he's a lunatic. He really believes this about himself, but he's crazy. And that's why, you know, he died and that's the end. Or he really is who he said he is. He's Lord. Um, that, yeah. And he came back from the dead. So just thought of that as well. Um, mm -hmm. based off what we're talking about. So let's go here then too. um, part of this point, Jesus wants us to see the importance of his words Pastor Jeff brought up that um, Jesus kind of reminded them of what the priorities were his disciples in Acts chapter one. They're like, are you going to establish the kingdom yet? Are you going to do this? And, and he says, Hey, it's not for you to know. This is what I need you to know. You know, you'll be my witnesses. Um, so he kind of reprioritizes them. And Pastor Jeff said so much of the time we can major on the minors. And so maybe some, see what you guys think maybe we could say what are some of those minors that sometimes we can focus on but maybe even a little you know maybe more important than that is how can we make sure that we're not majoring on the minors all the time that we're focusing on the things that jesus wants us to be focusing on that's i thought it's so good what that that whole section he talked about so what were some of your guys thoughts on that i think that's a hard question and the fact that we live kind of in a uh, a world where you pick and choose what you want, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and you can have it your way or whatever. So the idea of not just picking a couple things uh, and then, and then putting all your effort into a couple parts of the gospel and not overseeing the whole thing, I think it's a challenging thing. 
Um, I think it's like uh, you have to make an effort to, to to know all of scripture, just not certain pieces of it. I think it's is part of it. Like so we can, I guess what I mean is like so we can see who God is in His totality, because it's easy to focus on just a piece of God, um, but it's his, it's knowing God as much as we can in our limited ability to know the infinite, but trying to know God in all that he is and not just the pieces of him that we connect or find easiest for us. Yeah. the I mean, the question of major and minor is very subjective, you know, because some people are going to think that, what other one, what somebody else thinks is minor, somebody else is going to think is major, you know? I guess that's the question though. Is it subjective or, or is it not subjective? Right. Well, so I think it depends on who you talk to. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, what's the, what's the major, what's the major thing that, that we all as Christians can focus on? is the, the saving power of Jesus Christ, the salvation that's found in his shed blood, the, the, the victorious life that's found you know, in his resurrection. You know, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not die but have e everlasting life, right? That's, that's the major thing. That's, that's what we all as Christians, whether from whatever denomination you come from, whatever walk of faith you come from as a Christian, we can all agree on that, I think. Right. So that would be the major thing. I mean, you know, but then you get into minor things as far as like, you know, the disciples were asking like, well, who's going to sit, you know, you know, how, you know, who's, you know, who's going to do this and who's going to do that in your kingdom and all this stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, I think we can debate on that and, you know, but for some people that's major, like some of, the, some of those things are major because it, it affects how they live, I guess, you know? Well, yeah, they can, I would say they, they make it major, but that's, that's what right. I felt like Pastor Jeff means by majoring on the minors. Right. Like I think of what you said are all majors. I think of um, go and make disciples mm -hmm. and be united, you know, in one, one mind, one spirit. Mm -hmm. I also think of uh, how Jesus says in John, you know, all men will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Mm -hmm. So those are all majors. And if, if there's something that we find a major that goes against those or um, less prioritizes those things, mm -hmm. maybe that's how it's a minor. So, oh, I know I should love my brother and sister, but they're not wearing a mask. So <laughs> I'm not going to be, so I, I feel like there's something wrong. There, there's something between us right now. I, I have a problem with you. I'm not united in spirit anymore. I am not, maybe I'm not love. I'm not responding in love. So it can become major, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I don't know what, what else you guys think about that. I, I think things become majors or minors though, when, when we're, when we're not seeing the entire picture, like, I guess what I mean is like, you know, some people like to focus on, uh, different aspects of God, how God is always loving. And that's the only thing that matters. 
you know, or how God is, God is just, and that's the only thing that matters. And I think the thing is, is that both of those things are important things, but they are only seen uh, appropriately when you understand that God is both of those things. I, I guess that's what I mean. And I think sometimes, um, like the whole mass thing, like we, we, we get focused on, well, God wants us to use wisdom. But then God also wants us to have faith. You, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like it's, those things go hand in hand. And I think it's when we don't, when we don't keep it in balance that, that we're called to do both of those things. Mm. We're called to love, but then we're also called to holiness. And when we focus on one or the other to the exclusion of the other, then that's when we get unbalanced because holiness and love should go hand in hand. Part of being holy is loving and part of, loving is being holy you know what i mean so i think but i think when we we pick one little eye idea or one little vein and we're like we're only about that i think that's when we get unbalanced and if things become majors and minors instead of being kept in perspective of what we're called to be i i agree with what pastor todd is saying um i think that yeah, and everyone everyone has their own majors and minors. Um, and I so part of me is trying to I don't know how to find the words, but so I'll try to just express it as it's in my brain and it's probably gonna come out wrong, but um that's why Pastor Todd's here. He's here to help clean it up, you know, the 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 garbage that I throw out here. Um should have seen Pastor Todd's face every time. <laughs> um, he was like, uh oh. Yeah, I think that there is a balance to that. And I think that um, some of the struggle is, I think, where you get people that major in minors is because sometimes they feel like things are out of balance. And mm -hmm. so because the things are out of balance, there is sometimes within them a desire um, to want to bring balance to those things. Um, and in some cases, I'm not saying all, in some cases, when you're trying to bring balance to those things, to others, you may come off as annoying or nagging or um, like what you're saying, you're, you're, you're focusing on one lane. Um, and I think I'm kind of also leaning to what Pastor Bonnie was saying is like, it depends on who you ask, because if you're asking people to essentially hang on to those core things that what you're talking about, Pastor Bonnie, of what, you know, church people talk about mm -hmm. what I find sometimes is a struggle is those things don't always translate over into everybody's life in the mm -hmm. same way. And mm -hmm. so not saying that they're not important, they should be important and they should be, you know, top, uh, you know, mm -hmm. top of the list things. I think sometimes the struggle is finding ways to translate the gospel into their lens of life. So I say that because I think sometimes with teenagers, that's some of the things that I'm battling against is uh, trying to help translate the gospel into something that they understand into a way that they understand so that it does bring about the result of the fruit of the gospel. But sometimes some things don't translate over because of uh, what they see about the church or what they see about Christianity doesn't always equate. And so they're like, well, this doesn't make sense or I'm struggling here. Like, and, and that's hard, uh, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm sure that everybody has moments like that. Um, but so 
how do we find that balance? That's my, uh, that, that's my follow-up question. I'm, I'm looking square mm-hmm. at Pastor Todd. <laughs> how do, how do we find that balance? How do we, how do we find that balance? If not, we're not, if we're not at least, if we're not at least, and this is my thought process as, you know, pastors, as believers, as, you know, you know, if we're not at least willing to engage in conversation about those minors that allows for them to move from minors to majors and then champion the things that should be championed uh, across the board. Doesn't it make sense when I say that? Mm. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think based upon personalities, based upon strengths and weaknesses, we all have things that click easier with us than other things. Uh, if you've had an experience where you feel rejected, then one of the things you hunger for is to know God's acceptance. You know, if it, uh, so I think, I think it's challenging because you have to deal with individuals as opposed to like, like whole groups, I guess, maybe. Um, but I, but I think that's, I, I think you're right. I think that is really, really hard. I, I think but sometimes we overcompensate and swing mm-hmm. way to the other side. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily know that that's helpful, you know, where, um, <clears throat> well, because we see sin, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to swing way over to the side of holiness so that you know, that sin is bad, you know? And I, and I think that that's not helpful to people either because then you do set up opposing like instead of us being on the same team, now you become the enemy type thing because you. you're not coming to the side with me or whatever. So yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how you find that balance. I think, I think it's like knowing people. I think it's like listening to people sometimes. That's like a huge thing to try to understand where they're coming from instead of just saying, well, this is where I stand. So you're out, <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's really trying to really trying to model who Jesus is completely, but I, that, I don't know. That's a hard thing. That's a hard thing. Uh, I love all the thoughts. And actually I love what you said, Pastor Jamal, because I feel like maybe on a personal level for me, I'm annoyed sometimes if somebody's majoring on to use Pastor Bonnie's words, like what I feel is a minor but that could be because of my personality or experience or their personality or experience. And like you said, Pastor Jamal, it could be they're noticing a lack of balance in this area or they feel that way. So why isn't our church focusing on this or why doesn't the, the church, you know, think about this? I feel like that's a really great point. Um, but I think part of your question too, like I, I, I was, I wanted to ask this as a question and I didn't know how to make it a question. So, but I think like when God's, one sign that God is working on you and his word is speaking to you is that you should be like at some level reevaluating your priorities, what's major and minor, not, not everything. Not like, do I even believe in Jesus anymore? Not like that, but uh, on a personal level or a, a smaller level, like I should be, it should be speaking to me. It should make me uncomfortable. Sometimes I should have to change my opinion a little bit if God's word's really speaking to me. So that would be my thought too on like maybe one way to keep that balance is like if you read the Bible, you read God's word and you pray and you just always feel like you're on top of your game, like a hundred percent of the time, all the time. Like I'd be like, I would want to challenge that a little bit, you know, in that sense. 
Yeah, yeah. I, Steph says all the time, like, how come when God speaks to you, he's always telling you everything that you want. And when he speaks to me, he's always telling me everything I need to fix, yeah. you know? And, and sometimes we like to hear the word of God when it confirms what we already think and feel. But I think sometimes really like you're talking about the challenges is God's word challenging you towards, towards change? Because until the day that we are in heaven, <laughs> you know, there's always things that Jesus needs to work out in us. I mean, that's the whole point of sanctification is that mm-hmm. who we were, we're growing into to be more like Jesus. So oh, go ahead, Pat. No, no, what you, what you were saying is right on the money with, with what I was just thinking about majors and minors. Maybe it's more an issue Maybe majors and minors could also be termed as um, public convictions versus personal convictions. You know, what what we are all, what we are all convicted of publicly as as a body as a church. You know, the overarching things is one thing, but then we have personal convictions that are are for us. You know, from from God to us personally, that may not be a conviction for somebody else. But I think that's where the minors become major. Sometimes is when we don't recognize those things as personal convictions. So we try to make them convictions that should, that we feel should be for everybody, but really it's just meant for us that we need to work on, but maybe because we don't feel that we need to work on it or we don't see that in ourselves. Maybe we make it, (laughs) you know, a public thing, but it really shouldn't be. Um, Another way I've heard it said is like essential versus non-essential. And I know that term has been going around with like businesses lately, but like, like what is essential versus non-essential for, for, for my personal faith? Again, personal convictions versus public convictions, essential overarching, you know, principles versus, personal principles that God wants to work in my, you know, my personal life. But I have, I have scriptures and prophecies that tell me, that tell me that you should believe the way I right. believe. <laughs> and, and my response to that would be, you know, have you taken those things and applied them to your own life first? Because God first and foremost always speaks. Well, he speaks to us first. And I think as pastors, that's like one of our biggest struggles sometimes, right? Is like, trying to differentiate, you know, when God is speaking to us, is this meant for me personally only, or is it meant for, you know, because not everything that God speaks to us, you know, about is, is meant for to share. But I think sometimes because we don't want to receive it, we feel like, well, maybe I should just share it instead. (laughs) You know, and I think there's something to be said too, from what you're saying, there's, I think there's personal preference where we can major and minor, like yes. the style of worship or the worship songs. But then there's also, um, so I would say essential or non-essential with your language. Like it's not really essential, you know, maybe that's less essential. Right. But then there's also like sin too. And so like um, maybe you feel like you feel like smoking is a sin. I don't have a Bible or prophecy that says that pastor Jamal, but I just feel that way. And I can point that out in somebody else's life. And, and, and like you said, well, have you applied it in your life? Like, well, I don't have that problem. I don't have that problem. And like, well, that's, again, maybe that's majoring on the minors. There is something to holiness. Like you said, pastor Todd. And so as Christians, maybe we want to be mindful of that. But but then we can go the other way, and now it's it, we're majoring on a minor, and now we're and now we're not loving each other and being united as a body. We're ju- we we can be judging each other on those things. 
and and the reality is too like i think i say the reality um we just to try and like i guess i'm trying to bring it back to like full circle full circle or whatever but um it, i don't think it's enough to as a believer to say well i'm going to i'm going to choose to be united and choose to love them publicly and then privately not <laughs> like i don't think mm. you can do uh i think that is a a technical foul <laughs> if, if i could throw that out there yeah. and that's obviously a heart issue and um you know if you're going to be unified in body uh and in spirit uh both in, in public it's also got to be in uh private as well so. yeah I, the one thing that i think about that is we're really good at giving the right answer mm. um but we don't always live the right answer mm. you know uh and that's the thing like I, I think we know what we're supposed to say in church or what we're supposed to say publicly but then sometimes when we're private it just reminds me kind of like how jesus talked about um you know if you if you if you say like raka you know you you're you're in your heart you've already decided hey this guy is worth nothing and i wish he was dead type you know type thing where it really is like uh what's going on in the heart is often more important than what's being portrayed publicly because that's really what's where you're at and what you believe and and what your heart is and you know i think a lot of what we're talking about this this is the Christian walk. This is what it looks like. It, that's what it looks like is I, I've come to faith in Jesus and I love him. He's forgiven me of my sins, but I can, uh, sometimes we can focus maybe on a minor. We can major on a minor. I can not be focusing on, on making disciples or loving my neighbor or loving my brother in Christ. Um, or even like from what you were just saying, uh, uh, both of you guys, Pastor Todd, Pastor Jamal, about personal versus private. Oh, yeah, I know the right answer. But now all of a sudden in my heart, I'm not actually living that. Or in my life, I'm not living that. And at some level, that's that's what it is. That's the Christian walk. And, and that's what's amazing, that we do have the Holy Spirit. Again, it, it kind of may bring it back to Pentecost, like that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us. We don't... Mm-hmm. We don't have to just witness him in the lives of others or say, yeah, I think I read in the Bible the Holy Spirit did something, but actually he can move in our lives to help us in all of these areas that we're talking about. That's his role in our lives right now, which is um, really special. Yeah, and and the fact that through the Holy Spirit, we don't have to drum up something in ourselves. Like I don't have to stir up a change in feelings because the Holy Spirit can change me. You know what I mean? It's not like I have to, I, I think that's one of the thing that really is, is really important about understanding what relationship with Jesus means. Uh, yes, I have to work towards change and I have to work towards being what Jesus wants me to do. But the fact is in my humanness, I, I think that's really, really, really hard. But Jesus gives us the grace and the ability, the Holy Spirit is indwelling within us to bring about those changes that aren't natural to us. And I, and I think that's one of the key things why we celebrate Pentecost, because through the Holy Spirit, our hearts are changed, you know, through relationship with Jesus, our hearts are changed. And, and that's really key to a vibrant life is, is not me trying to work it up, but God doing the work in me. That's really great. And so uh, as we're 
I think we're getting pretty close to time, but let me, uh, I'll just start out there because because it was still part of the message. I don't know if we'd really work it in next week, but but I know we, we're trying to wrap up here. Um, in the message, said that Jesus, Pastor Jeff said that Jesus wants us to see the importance of his work, his words, and his witnesses, and you know, kind of going off the the whole conversation we've been having. Um, I love what he said, the Rick Warren quote that when um we are to be his witnesses rick warren says it like um god's not looking for a defense attorney mm -hmm. god's not looking for a lawyer or a salesman mm -hmm. you know he can do that he's looking for a witness somebody who just says hey this is what god's done in my life and that's an important attitude to have um so i guess i, I guess i don't know i don't know how much you want to talk about i guess yeah because i think we're we're hitting time so um uh, if you have thoughts on that or kind of based off we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. So is uh, how can the Holy Spirit help us maybe in that role that we, we have the right attitude when it comes I, to that? Yeah. I think that's what pastor Jamal was just talking about is, is that, that the way we live needs to speak for um, what we've seen and what we've experienced. And, and it needs to be more than just that public thing. It needs to be really, our lives are living that thing out. Yeah. I mean, I think, I really think just the quote says it all, you know, <laughs> like, like, you know, Jesus doesn't need somebody up on their soapbox, you know, you know, you know, spouting apologetics. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't need, I mean, while those are all well and good to learn, you know, and you can debate with them on, with people one-on-one -on -one if they want to, but, you know, he doesn't need somebody to sell, you know, well, this is why you should believe in Jesus because this and this and this, and he does this. I mean, really what, what impacts people is the way we live out our Christian faith, the way, way people see us as like, wow, why are they able to live this way? Why are they able to do this? Why are they able to do this? Why are they able to have this joy? Why are they able to have, to have this peace? Why are they able to, you know, exhibit the fruit of the spirit? Um, you know, in ways that, you know, maybe a non, or in ways a non-Christian can't, um, and just to tell your own story. I mean, just, just tell your own story. This is what Jesus did for me. Don't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't need you to condemn. He just needs you to tell what he's done, what you, what he's done in you. And that's it. I think that, um, so I actually feel like there's maybe a little tinge of tension in Rick Warren's quote, um, where we do kind of have to be a little bit of a defense attorney, only just because I think about the verse and Peter talks about having a defense, you know, for the hope that I believe. So mm -hmm. I think about it from that strain, maybe not so much in like, I need to defend God, you know what I mean? But more in the sense of like, hey, you know what, I'm, I need to be able to stand on what I believe, you know, and yeah. uh, know my faith in that regards. Um, and I like the idea of a lawyer only because I like the idea of what the blood of Jesus Christ does for us as believers in the mm -hmm. sense that it, it cancels a debt. Like, you know, we have a mediator, there are lawyer or, you know, lawyer law terms, law terms. Yeah. There are law terms within woven into the gospel that I feel like are absolutely beautiful uh, when used in the right way. But I agree with the sentiments of the statement, right? Like, cause I think I'm thinking about somebody who's like, well, don't you have to give a defense for your faith? Oh, don't you have to do that? I'm like, yeah, you do have to do those things. So 
I would look at it maybe from the standpoint of, but as a, as a recipient of this grace, I get to now be a witness and I get to now stand in this regards, you know, for the faith so that people can look at my life and say, oh man, that's pretty, um, pretty amazing, pretty dope. I think it's, um, it just, I don't want to say enhance, I don't want to say enhances because I don't want to make people feel like if you don't have those things that you're ill-equipped, you know what I'm saying? I don't want people to feel like if you're not well-versed in law terms or, you know, if you don't have a massive defense about what you believe that you are somehow some way shape or form the you know bottom of the barrel of christian you know christian uh, you know history you're you're not that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is i believe that there's a beauty in some of those things um but i do believe that what pastor bonnie's saying is your your witness is your greatest weapon right mm-hmm. you're um i think my my dad used to i used to I, I'm still this way. My wife will tell you I'm the sorry one in the house. Like I'm always like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I forgot to do that. I apologize. So I'm always apologizing for something. Uh, but my dad used to say when we we're growing up, he's like, you know, the best form of an apology is a changed life. Um, mm. That's that's like his thing. And I would always be like, well, no, words matter too. You know, like mm. majoring in the minors or whatever. We can get into that later. Uh, but um, But I think Yes, your life and the way that you live your life is your greatest tool, your greatest weapon. I have found sometimes when people are having conversation with me about what they don't believe about God or what I do believe about God, sometimes I just lean on, dude, I don't know how else to explain this to you except that this is how it worked in my life. I don't know why, but I know that this is what it is. And sometimes they just walk away and they say, man, that that was that hit me a certain type of way. But I didn't even unpack anything massive. All I said was, here's what I know because I've seen it. Like, it's not even like, well, if you look at the, you know, the first book of John and, you know, like, you know, I, I don't, I, sometimes it's not even like that. Sometimes it's flat out like, dude, I walked around with this weight and then I encountered Jesus and it's gone, period. So. Those are uh, really great. I want to just say, oh, Pastor Brian, were you say something? Go ahead. No, I was just going to, I was just going to, I'm just thinking about this verse, you know, the because what you were just saying, Pastor Jamal, about the the power of our testimony, you know, triumphing over all, or something. I forget how the way you worded it, but it made me think of the verse in Revelation 12:11. You know, when Satan is defeated, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So, Jesus' sacrifice, and then our testimony about it you know, about what his sacrifice does in our life, has done in our lives. That's it. That's exactly it. And I, I, what I wanted to say was, um, I was paraphrasing the Rick Warren quote, so I may have added the word lawyer. He may not have said mm. that. So I just want to throw that out there. No, he no, may, no, maybe yeah. he did, but. Well, I mean, I'm not trying to come at Rick Warren either. Dude's like a <laughs> you know, theological giant. So I, I, I think right. the idea that I was just trying to convey is. No, totally, I totally. I think that yeah. there's beauty in some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have to be totally abandoned, but, you know. But that's not the sentiments, right? Mm-hmm. Just, uh, you know, based on what you guys are saying, again, like, yeah, how uh, that verse in um, Peter talks about, yeah, have a defense for what you believe. That's why it, it is important to know what you believe, why you believe it. Again, pers- on a personal level, that's why I love apologetics. Um, and, you know, when somebody asks you, that's, that's what it says, when somebody asks you about the hope that you have, that you're ready to explain it. But um, like you guys have all shared, you know, people are changed by um, your witness about what happens in your life. I think about the people who I've invited to church, they didn't come because um, 
I laid out the evidence for the resurrection. Like that may be a conversation I had somewhere before then, like down the line, like we, well, what do you think about that? We would talk about it maybe, but it was a result of me living my life and saying, dude, well, why don't you like come to church sometime? Like, and so just to echo what you guys are saying, absolutely, absolutely the truth. So. So I have a, um, I don't know if you had any closing thoughts or ideas of how to end, but I actually have a question for all of you. If we're, if we're done. Uh, yeah, sounds good. Talking about. Um, Pastor Jamal's not sermon. into it though. No, you're not into it. You don't hear my question. <laughs> you're afraid. Yes. Yes. There's fear. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about this morning, um, like some like new habits I've developed in, you know, n- nine weeks of quarantine that you know now that we're like slowly starting to like come out of it um and you know we see the real world and the you know the 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 routine before you know on the horizon um there's certain habits that i've developed because now i have time to do those things that i think i'm gonna miss when quarantine is you know completely over so I wanted to ask you guys like are there any things that you have found that you have time for now but that maybe you may not once things kind of return to to quote-unquote normal like I'll just give my example I'm able to have a big breakfast every morning I love like having a big breakfast now at at like at like 10 o'clock because I'm not usually hungry at like 8 o'clock when my day would normally start before but now that like the day can kind of start whenever <laughs> um so that's you guys have anything wearing sweatpants all the time yes yes oh my gosh yes i'm i'm gonna truly miss that um um no you know what? i've been doing a little a little a little hobbying you know nothing major but like an out creative outlet um, making a couple of things, modeling a couple of, like little miniature things for something I'm doing with some other guys. <laughs> but uh, and I, I'll be honest, I, I haven't haven't turned out as well as I've liked them to. But I am enjoying the fact that I have like a creative outlet um, that once I once real life starts again, may be hard to continue. Um, I think so a habit that I'm going to miss is, um, probably reading, reading more. I actually had to, I think a few podcasts back, I said I had to like start reading some stuff more. And I think like now that I'm, when things get back to kind of like being normal, I don't think I'm going to be as much of a reader, but I really, I want to. So I want to try to do that. Uh, did you say a habit we broke too? Did you say a habit we broke? No, no just like a oh, habit okay. you have now that you're not going to have really time for, yeah, you know, gonna, later. Yeah. I want to try to keep locked into the reading thing. Um, yeah. I, I like videos better. Like, it just that for me, like, if you could just give it to me, like, in a five minute video, I'm like, all right, great. But like, reading has kind of been the thing that's grown. The thing, I will say this, I will proudly say the thing that I've I don't want to say broken the habit. Yeah, maybe broken the habit. I spend less time playing video games. It got mm-hmm. old. It got old. I was like, I just don't have a desire. My wife was like, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> her face was very much, you know, like she was, she was pleased. 
she was her fact in fact her words were because there was one day i just was like i didn't play video games and i just did a bunch of stuff around the house and she was like i like this new jamal and i was like that feels really like that hurts when you say it like that makes you feel like (laughs) so i uh i personally have been um way busier since this started so i don't feel like i've developed a habit i like i've played less video games for example they haven't gotten old to me pastor jamal because i'm (laughs) i want to play i'm like i need to relax so uh, probably what i would say i miss would be would be the schedule i probably like every other day i'm going to the church and then every other day i'm here so yeah i kind of sleep in a little later now breakfast i can really take my time i don't have to be somewhere like even this morning so that's probably my number one that i'm like hmm. yeah like i wonder if there's a way to keep this going yeah. <laughs> but everything's back to being open like the, I don't know. The super crazy flexibility of, of yeah. just whatever although that can kind of get grading too because some days i'm just like like i found myself like scheduling my saturday like hour by hour the other day just because i'm like so tired of the flexibility sometimes <laughs> Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, hey, it's been fun. It's been great. And uh, we'll do it again next week. We'll talk some more. And uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you soon.